With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates. Alberta Injury Lawyers. The heavy hitters of injury law. I always love hearing Jack Michaels' voice in the highlights we play during the Inside Sports intro. Jack will be on the program live in about half an hour. It's been an eventful summer for Jack, so we'll catch up with him. And of course, we are counting down to a new Edmonton Oilers season. The Blue Jays in action today. Top of the fourth, they trailed the Chicago Clubs 1-0. I mentioned it was raining in the Rogers Center about 20 or 25 minutes ago. The roof opened at Rogers Center. It looked like they just kind of caught the edge of a, of a storm that blew in. It uh, doesn't appear to be raining anymore. And the, the game was not delayed. It wasn't raining heavily. But I flipped on the TV and people were pulling out umbrellas. And I was very confused. I was like, wait a minute. I thought they were in Toronto. Are they in Chicago? What's going on? No, they are indeed in Toronto. And there was indeed rain coming down. But the game goes on there. And and the uh, Cubs have the lead. So we'll keep an eye on that one for you as we move along tonight. Couple of names that you're going to recognize here. And this is a part of the football story here. Of course, the uh, Edmonton Elks are going to get back at practice on Thursday. They play Labor Day Monday in Calgary. It's on 630, Ched. We're going to start our coverage with the countdown to kickoff at 1 o'clock. The game is at 2, uh, 2.30, uh, 2.30 on Monday. But first of all, uh, Chris Strevler has been released by the New York Jets quarterback played for the bombers was kind of more I, I know he started games and he infamous, infamously at least in edmonton sports history uh had that game a few years ago playing for the bombers where, where bombers where he completed only seven passes yet winnipeg won the game a feat matched by current bombers quarterback zach Kalaros earlier this season he completed only seven passes on july 22nd yet winnipeg won the game 24 10 so chris strevler has been released by the New York Jets. Now, he was kind of an extra guy going into camp, and then he pulled off three comebacks in the fourth quarter in the preseason. So he's been released by the Jets, and I've, I've had some buddies who cheer for the Elks message me, say, well, the, the Elks got to sign him. What's going on with Chris uh, Strevler? Um, so maybe, uh, if, he, if he's available... The Jets have said if he clears waivers, they would welcome him to the practice roster. And, and of course, he could, as we said, be be picked up with another team. So anyway, something to keep in mind. Maybe he could wind up back in the Canadian Football League. Who knows? But you think even being on an NFL practice roster, he'd probably take that opportunity. Been down in the NFL the last couple of years. And how about this name? Brandon Zilstra, released by the Carolina Panthers. So he's been in the NFL the past four years. He went to the Vikings after playing in Edmonton. He went to the Vikings in 2018, played for the Panthers 
in 19, 20, and 21. Kind of more of a special teams guy. He only had 30 receptions over those four years. He, uh, he When we interviewed him about this a couple of years ago, he recovered a punt that was fumbled in the end zone for a touchdown in 2020. Now, his story, he's one of these receivers that Edmonton brought in, sort of the same thing as Darrell Walker, started kind of through the partway through the season in 2016, only played six games, had 34 catches for 508 yards. And then in 2017, absolutely huge. He led the CFL with 100 catches for almost 1,700 yards and five touchdowns. So is he going to be available? But just some names to keep an eye on, and we're seeing the NFL cuts uh, this week. And some guys are going to wind up in the Canadian Football League, I'm sure, or perhaps come back to the CFL like Devontae Dedman for the Ottawa Red Blacks, and he had a pretty good game against the Elks on Saturday. So Strevler and uh, Zilstra available. Strevler's interesting to me because – like he was, I, like I thought he was good at Winnip- with Winnipeg, but not great. But yeah, I mean, helped them win the Grey Cup in 2019, and then he, you know, he kind of was famous because he kind of had the cowboy hat and the sunglasses and that uh, furry coat with no shirt on underneath during the Grey Cup parade. So he maybe a little bit flamboyant. Um, now, if the Elks brought him in, is he an upgrade on uh, on Cornelius or whoever might be playing? Probably. And he, and he has been playing in the preseason in the NFL, so he wouldn't be completely cold. But anyway, just some things to put on your radar there. Brandon Zilstruck, Chris Strevler, cut by their respective NHL teams, though, as I said, probably more likely Strevler gets put on the Jets' practice roster. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. 780-496-0063 if you want to get in touch. It's the hotline presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. You can follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S, and you can email the show, InsideSports, at 630Ched.com. My direct message are open on Twitter and uh, some dudes who do the Young Guns podcast in Montreal messaged me last week and said will you come on with us and talk about the Oilers and I said well I, I'll do it I, I was off work last week I said could we do it this week they said Tuesday 2.30 so I was on with these guys today uh, we, we were live on YouTube apparently and then it gets uh, uploaded later so they, they were fun guys uh, We got it was uh, Chris, Christopher and Luca and uh, all Montreal Canadiens fans, but they do this podcast talking about different teams from around the league. They, one guy knew a surprising amount about the New Jersey Devils, which I found, Kellen, I don't know about you, I, I found that actually a little unnerving. Like, I feel if there was one team that the average hockey fan wouldn't know a lot about, it might be the New Jersey Devils. I mean, they were my team, my my Eastern Conference team through high school and that stuff. So well, I've heard a little bit yes, about it. They're, but they're, 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 their glory days are, are currently behind them. Oh, well, obviously, and, yes. They tend to be over. <laughs> they tend to be overshadowed by many, many other teams in hockey and other sports in their extended market. Uh, anyway, it was fun to be on with those guys, uh, mm-hmm. the Young Guns podcast. Uh, they want to know about the Oilers offseason, about McDavid and Dreisaitl, about Pugliarvi and Yamamoto and uh, trades that might happen and rumors and all that kind of stuff. I asked them because one guy was wearing a Chicago Cubs hat. And I said, uh, I guess none of you went to any Expos games. And one guy, so they were in their mid-20s. So the Expos left in 2004. 
So it's possible these guys would have some sort of a, a memory of, of the Expos. And one guy seemed to think that as a real little kid, he went to an Expos game. And then the other guy, well, that's not possible because they left in, in like the late 80s or the 90s. And I was like, no, I, th- I think they made it through the 80s and the 90s. I, I think in 2004 uh, was the year they actually left. But anyway, uh, that was fun to go on with, with those guys. So that was pretty cool. They got a hold of me through my Twitter account. All right. So speaking of, of the Oilers, and I was going to get to this yesterday, but we kind of ran out of time because we were talking about the Elks uh, home losing streak. And we got talking about ice cream of all. We did that last night as the off-topic topic. Favorite ice cream place in Edmonton or in your community, if you live in, you know, maybe Barhead or Athabasca or Mournville or uh, Knighton Junction, no, Knighton or Knighton Junction, really, both uh, both would qualify. Kit Scotty, I don't know if you got a little ice cream joint in your day. You can still write that in tonight if you want. It was pretty fun talking about that yesterday. So uh, here's the thing. A lot of optimism around the Oilers this season. I think it's justified. I think they're going to be a good team again. I think they should be a playoff team. I think Calgary should be very good. These young guys in Montreal were asking me about the Battle of Alberta. I said, I hope we're entering kind of another golden age of the Battle of Alberta where we might see a lot of playoff series in in a succession of years like we did between 84 and 91. That would be cool if we had that. We only get the three regular season meetings because of the schedule this year, but hopefully we get games in the playoffs. So when it, I just want to give some context here. And I, I had to pick sort of a place where I'm going to cut this off and start from because it's, it's hard to compare the, some of the stats from today back to the 1980s when the Oilers joined the National Hockey League. And, in uh, you know, for example, in 1982-83, the Edmonton Oilers scored 424 goals. Think about that. They scored 424 goals in an 80-game season, by my math, that's over five goals a game. Actually, by anybody's math, it's 5.3 goals per game. 424 goals in an 80-game season. You know what else is really interesting about that? That's only the third-best offensive season in franchise history. Because in 85-86, they scored 426. And in 83-84, they scored 446. 5.58 goals per game. So anyway, that was different. So I thought, okay let's let's provide some context here other than just doing the entire franchise history because there's a lot of years where where the scoring was way more out of control uh well out of control as compared to what it is now so i thought okay i'll i'll use first of all for 0440 we lost the season in 0405 so we came back in 0506 so i'm going to kind of use this era of hockey i guess going back the last 17 years so last season when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Florida Panthers, the Florida Panthers scored 337 goals. 
That is the most a team has scored since 05-06. Now, of course, as we know, there were a couple shortened seasons. I was like, do I do goals per game? And I, I thought, no, I'm just going to do for the full 82 games because who knows over, over a full season what, what might have happened. And then you had that year where teams were just playing other teams within the, in the division. So I thought I'll kind of, I kind of won't factor in the just using goals per game from the, the two shortened seasons. So 82-game season, Florida, the highest-scoring team ever, since 0405 last year 337 goals the oilers last year scored 285 goals which is pretty good in uh, in franchise history i mean we've had 42 oilers seasons that's the 13th most goals they've ever scored so and i and i look i'm just going to use that 300 as a benchmark i i, I mean look to, to do what florida did this past year that that's still 52 more goals that's a lot but the way i look at it okay let's kind of project how many goals a team might score and and i know there are a lot of different ways to do it i'm going to kind of do it a relatively simple way i'm not going to factor in too much on scoring chances or high danger chances or analytics or anything like that i'm just going to look at some of the goal scoring totals and say to myself should that guy be able to do that again be in that neighborhood. So Leon Dreisaitl, 55. I would say yes. I think someday Leon Dreisaitl is going to score 60. Connor McDavid got to 44. I think someday Connor McDavid is going to score 50. I don't know if he's going to do it up this upcoming year, but those two guys combining for about 100 goals is reasonable. Zach Hyman at 27. I would say that's repeatable. Evander Kane at 22 goals in 43 games. Could he score 40? I don't know. I mean, he's probably going to score 30. So that's, you know, another eight to 10 goals right there. Yamamoto at 20. Some of you are probably going to say he can't. I think he can get into that neighborhood again. Pugliarvi at 14. As, as much as I call him a confounding player over and over again, he can put the puck in the net when he's playing chances and gets goals. So he can probably be in the mid-teens. Now you get to some guys where you say, okay, Warren Fogle, 12. Who knows what's going to happen? Could he be traded? Evan Bouchard on defense, he got to 12. I think he's a bet maybe to score a few more, especially if he plays more on the power play. He could probably be in that range. And then there's Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who had 11 in 63 games. We know that the Nuge is capable of scoring more. So just with, with Kane and Nugent Hopkins, you'd, you'd think that they could possibly add about 20 goals to their total if everybody else is relatively in the same range. Then you get into a bunch of single-digit guys. That's what the depth players uh, tend to score. So I think we, rather than debating each individual guy bundled all together, yeah, you're probably going to have somebody get to 10 like Derek Ryan. Ryan McLeod had nine. Darnell Nurse had nine. Tyson Berry, seven. Cassian's gone. He had six. But I'm saying, you know, you group all those kind of bottom six and your two healthy scratches together, they're, they're going to chill. A lot of guys are going to, you know, probably about half dozen, seven or eight guys, even including a defenseman, are going to chip in five to 10 goals. So, and I put this poll question on Twitter just for fun because. Why not? We like having fun. Uh, the Oilers scored 285 goals in the regular season last year. Will they score 300 or more this season? It's a simple yes or no vote. And I'm glad to see most of oil country is optimistic that they will find 15 more goals this upcoming regular season. 75% of you saying yes, 25% of you saying no. It, it's not easy to score 300 in this day and age. And the last time the Oilers got there, I, I honestly wasn't sure when it was going to be because I hadn't looked up this stat in a long time. The, the last time the Oilers got to 300 goals was 1989-90. 1989-90, they scored 315 goals. 
So 30 more than they got this past season. So just some interesting context, but I, I don't think the team getting to 300 is unrealistic. Getting to 337 like Florida had, that might be tough. I mean, you'd have to blow some teams out. You'd probably have to make sure you're getting an empty netter every time you're up by a goal or two late in the game and the other team pulls the goalie. But that's sort of the, the context there. And I think a lot of it is going to hinge on a full season of Evander Kane and uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins scoring at more of the rate that he can score at. I mean, in the 52-game season, he had 16. Uh, the previous year's 22, 28, 24. So usually he's a player who can get to the low 20s. So if, if he gets to that, that's 10 extra goals, you know, 10 to 15 extra goals just from Kane. If everybody else is around the same, you get to that 300 total. But just kind of a fun thing to think about and file away in the back of your head. All right, 780-496-0063 is how you can get in touch. It is Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. All right, talking about the uh, hockey battle of Alberta, the football battle of Alberta, Monday and Saturday next week, all the action on 630. Chad, Jed Roberts, former double-E linebacker, special teams expert, he, uh, he threw a shoe once playing against Calgary. He's going to check in after the 7 o'clock news tonight. As, as you know, it's always fun to have uh, Jed on the show. Always weaves a great tale. And I, I don't think he's ever told this story before about throwing the shoe. If he has uh, this show anyway, I've forgotten it. So uh, we'll dive into that. And Jack Michaels is coming up after 6.30. Kellen Kennedy, as you heard, is back at the mm. 6.30 Jed Broadcasting Compound. Kellen, what do we have for people writing in tonight? i got a couple quick ones here to kind of whet the appetite for tonight. Of course, you said that you're still looking for everybody's ice cream suggestions, kind of continuing over from last night. Uh, we have one from Norman at Combine. Text oh. in and says, Reed, Deep Creek Campground in San Gudo has over 40 flavors of ice cream. Tin Roof is my favorite and that's from norm in a combine deep creek ice cream is that what he said deep creek campground in san gudo oh deep creek campground uh san gudo all right one of uh i i ran into this guy in studio 99 a few years ago brad peterson from originally from san gudo i worked with him at blockbuster video back in the day when i was working there in the in the 1990s so mm. a great guy from there san gudo that's that's really all i have about san gudo i believe i believe they were shortlisted once to get an nfl team but they they didn't make the final cut mm-hmm. exactly there we go uh daryl it was when seattle it was either going to be the san gudo seahawks or the seattle seahawks and they gave the team to seattle ah, there we go yes exactly because yeah. of the king dome and the whole deal there could have so. changed everything yeah. for san gudo right 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 absolutely uh daryl texts in and says i think the term is microbursts that you were looking for earlier with the blue jays uh rain phenomena tonight oh a microburst is that okay well daryl i appreciate that i ain't no meteorologist that's for sure mm-hmm. what did i call it i well we have the correct <laughs> Daryl gave us the correct terminology. I have no idea what you call it. I have to go back I, I on the tape and it, find out. Yeah, I think I just said it started right. Okay, so that that's a microburst. See, I always appreciate it. Uh, a, a micro, according to uh, weather.gov, uh, I think that's the U.S. one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it a is. microburst. <laughs> so they have everything in miles, so old fashioned. A microburst is a localized column of sinking air within a thunderstorm and is usually less than or equal to 2.5 miles in diameter. Microbursts can cause extensive damage at the surface and in some instances can be uh, life-threatening. All right. Ooh. I don't know if... I don't know... No, I just want to say, Daryl, 
just to provide a, a back and forth, it didn't seem what I saw in the Blue Jays game was as dangerous as that makes it sound, but there could be several forms of uh, microbursts. So any, anyway, I'm just glad we're keeping people educated on this show, which is really one of our prerogatives. Exactly. Entertainment and education. That's Edutainment. Why you, the, that's why the 14 of you listen to Inside Sports night after night. And so you can hear Jack Michaels give me a hard time. That's next.